John chapter 11 and verse number 16. Just one verse of scripture this morning. John 11 and verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you'll add your blessings to the reading of thy word. I realize this morning, God, my insufficiency. God, I know that I have no ability, no power within myself to do anything. God, we need you this morning. We need the touch of God, the breath of God. I pray that you'll visit with us this morning. God, manifest yourself. And when we leave, Lord, I pray that we would leave saying that we saw no man save Jesus only. And we'll thank you for what you do this morning. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Now, I know this morning that if you're a Bible reader, you're familiar with John chapter 11 and the raising of Lazarus. And when we come to this text this morning, this chapter is full of trouble, it's full of tears, and it's also full of triumph. When you think about Jesus going back to Bethany, the danger that it involved as the disciples knew well that our Lord was was facing great danger to go back to this place, but Lazarus was in great need. But I think more than Lazarus was in need, Mary and Martha and the Jews and even the disciples was in need themselves. And our Lord is always thinking on a higher plane than what you and I are walking on or living on. Jesus in this chapter is about to go back to the place where Mary and Martha and where Lazarus is. And Jesus knows the outcome and he knows what's taking place not only in the circumstances, but in the hearts of men. Uh, When we get to verse number 16, I want you to notice three things in verse number 16 by way of introduction. First of all, I want you to see the character here as the Bible calls Thomas out. We know that Thomas is seen here in this text and we know Thomas's character is that he is known as Doubting Thomas. And there's a lot of things that we may be known for, but one thing I do not want to be known for as a Christian is a doubter, amen? And Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. And so uh, we see uh, his character here. And then secondly, we notice the crowd. The Bible said here that Thomas said, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples. Now Thomas has something he wants to say. And he's not saying this to himself and he's not saying this in private, but he's saying it in the presence of the other disciples. You know, you and I have got to be careful what we say in the presence of others. Not just in the world, but even amongst ourselves. Even amongst other believers, and Thomas is thinking out loud, he's talking out loud, and what he has to say here, he's saying it in the presence of these disciples. Now the Bible said in Ephesians chapter four uh, that we're to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may do what? That it may minister grace unto the hearers. So whenever we say something, we have to be careful that what we say, that it ministers to the people that are listening to us, Thomas obviously is not thinking about them, but we see the character, we see the crowd, and then we notice this comment here. As he makes this statement, he says, let us also go that we may die with him. I want you to think about what Thomas says here. Let us also go that we may die with him. What's interesting about this phrase is that Thomas was willing to go. Thomas was even willing to die but he was not willing to believe. The danger of walking in unbelief. 
The danger of walking in doubt. I, I want to preach on that subject this morning, on, on the danger of walking in doubt. Thomas was willing to go. We see the determination. He was willing to die. We see the devotion. But Thomas was not willing to believe. We see the doubt here in this text that you and I have got to think about this morning. What good is it to go and to serve God? What good is it to even be willing to die if you're not willing to believe? The greatest enemy, the most besetting sin is the sin of unbelief. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says, let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily besets us. I, I think be, there are a lot of besetting sins, but I think the, the common denominator when it comes to besetting sins in the life of a believer that we all struggle with to a certain degree, that we all face, if you go back to chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's all about faith. It's all about believing God. But when you get to chapter 12, it's all about doubt. It's all about, uh, in that verse, that besetting sin in chapter 12, it has to be unbelief this morning. When we think about this in this text here, Thomas is in that place. You know, doubt will do a lot of things. But one thing doubt will never do is believe. Doubt may serve God. Doubt may sing in the choir. Doubt may preach a sermon. Doubt may go on visitation. Doubt may even put tithes in the offering plate. But there's one thing doubt will never do in all our life. In all of, our, in all of us this morning, doubt will never believe God. Doubt is the enemy. I would say this morning that doubting has a great effect in this verse. You say, what do you mean? Well, it has an effect. Uh, I would see in this verse on the men that is around him. The Bible said that what he said, he said it to his fellow disciples. Now, there may have been some disciple there that, that was not discouraged, that was not living in defeat, that was not living in doubt, but, but all of a sudden because of Thomas now, uh, that, that has affected those that are around him. Our comments has an effect on those that we speak to in that Right. You ever been around somebody just so negative all the time? They're always living in doubt and defeat and discouragement. Let's be honest, there's some people when they get up to testify, everybody in the congregation sighs. Don't y'all look so spiritual? You say, preacher, y'all not say that. I'm to a place in life, I'm just gonna say what I feel led to say. And they're not gonna get it. They've never got it. The last 29 times I've said it, they're probably not gonna get it on number 30, but, but for the sake of those that do get it this morning, there's some people, listen, the only time they're happy is when they're miserable. They just go from one thing to another. It's their toe ache one week, it's their back ache the next week. And I'm not talking about people that are in their 80s, I'm talking about people in their 30s, amen? They get up and talk about their ailments uh, as if that's a blessing, a benefit. You say, preacher, why do you harp on that? I get tired of hearing it, don't you? Uh, and thank God, I just know if we stand on it long enough, we won't hear about it in the, this church. Uh, but I go to churches a lot of times uh, and the service will be up here and God will be working and God will be blessing uh, and somebody will kill it with a, with a a testimony and the listen that just just uh, it's all about their troubles and trials in life. And the truth is there's people that have it a lot worse. Look at how our words affect the people around us. Thomas, what he's saying has an effect on the men around him, on the mindset that's within him. He's never going to change his mind as long as he's talking like this. 
You know, as long as you talk about negative things, as long as you talk, and I'm not preaching some Joel Osteen, uh, you know, higher plane of living or, or positive thinking this morning. I'm just telling you the Bible teaches what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. The Bible said to think on these things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you dwell on all the bad, if you think about all the bad, that's how you're gonna live, is depressed, discouraged, and doubtful. And Thomas is thinking about the circumstances that are at Bethany that lies ahead. And it's changed the mindset that's within him. Then the ministry that's before you. It affects the, the, the men around you, the mindset that's within you. But Thomas's words is affecting, this doubt is affecting the, the ministry that's before you. Christ has a ministry for Thomas, but Thomas is gonna have to get over his doubt. He's gonna have to grow up. He's gonna have to get to the place in his Christian life where his main theme of, of his thought process is not, I struggled with discouragement. I struggled with doubt. And you say, well, Brother Gravely, everybody struggles. Sure, they do. But I'll give you an example. John the Baptist, Baptist struggled with doubt. He just struggled with discouragement. He struggled with defeat when he was put in prison. But it was not the theme of John the Baptist's life. It was not the way that John lived his life. John lived his life in faith. He lived his life in victory. God is, uh, Jesus has got to get Thomas past all this doubt and all this discouragement. He'll never do anything for God with this kind of mindset. You know, we have to be careful. As a pastor, do I struggle with discouragement and doubt and defeat? Sure I do. But we can't show it. As a Sunday school teacher, you can't go to a class and, and be defeated. You say, well, preacher, I, I've taught lessons when, when I've been defeated. I just can't hide. I preach sermons. But you can't go with that. There's other people in front of us. The ministry that's before, you can't live there. You can't stay there. And Jesus has got to get Thomas past the point. You can't spend your whole Christian life up and down, in and out, off and on, always struggling. There's no stability. There's no song. There's no smile. When you live your life in doubt, oh, we're all going to have our moments of doubt. We're all going to have to face our doubts from time to time. We're not exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it this morning. You're not exempt from it. I may face it this very week but facing it is one thing. Choosing to live in it is another. Choosing to carry it around. Choosing to let it be a daily time. Uh, listen, there are just some times in life uh, you've got to grow up to the point in your Christian life that you say, you know what? I'm not gonna deal with that like that anymore. Every time it comes, I'm instantly gonna put it in the Lord's hands uh, and I'm just gonna go on and serve God. Amen. I know it's to be true this morning. If I remember... For two solid years, something, a shadow leaning over my head every day. A fear that was constantly there. I didn't want it there. I tried to serve God without it there, with it there. It just would not go away. It was a circumstance I couldn't do anything about. I couldn't fix it. I'd prayed about it, agonized with God about it. It wasn't getting better. In fact, it was getting worse. And I remember... It was the end of the year, just like it is right now. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, I, this has been a chain to me for two years. And I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. She said, what do you mean? I said, I choose by the grace of God not to live next year the way I've lived the last two years. 
I said, I don't know how it, it's, it, may, it may blow all to pieces. It may be a terrible outcome. But I said, I'm not living another day like this. I said, every morning I'm going to choose. I'm not even going there anymore. And can I tell you this morning, not in the energy of the flesh, not, not mind over matter, not within myself, I couldn't have done it. But every morning without even thinking, without even, I wouldn't even say it in prayer. I would say, Lord, that thing that I gave to you, I don't live in that no more. It's yours. And I'm going to tell you, God not only gave me victory in my soul, but he gave me victory in the circum- over the circumstance. But the answer to that circumstance was not answered for another two years. It, it lingered for four years. But two years, I, I lived in doubt, defeat, and discouragement by my own volition, by my own choice. Uh, but God wasn't going to let it go away until he took that and used it in my life uh, to put something in my soul. I'm not telling you that I've accomplished everything in my life that way but I'm telling you I have experienced it I do know what I'm talking about this morning you don't have to be driven by the circumstances you face in life you don't have to live your life in doubt regardless of what we face God is still on the throne the Bible is still true it's still going to turn out good in the end I don't know what's between here and yonder but I know one thing he said I'll go with you always even to the end of the world and he'll not just get you by but thank God he'll see you through your sorrow he'll see you through your problem he'll put a song in your heart he'll put a smile on your face and a spring in your step hallelujah I'm going to tell you when the martyrs went to the fire when they went to the stake they didn't go there with a frown they went there with a song and they sang through the flames they didn't get to just get by but they had victory in the midst of adversity they dumbfounded the world with the grace of God that was greater than the problems that they faced. It did not go with doubt. I want to say this morning, how do we overcome walking in doubt? You see, the danger of walking in doubt is that if you'll walk in it, it'll become a lifestyle. You'll live in doubt. Your testimony will be, today I'm happy, tomorrow I'm sad. Today I'm joyful. Tomorrow I'm grievous. Bitter circumstances can create a bitter spirit. A bitter taste, should I say, not a bitter spirit. But joy will take the bitterness away. I've seen people go through sorrows and get bitter over them because they dwelt on them. And then I've seen people go through greater sorrows than those who got bitter, but yet they never got bitter over the trials and troubles they went through. Why? Because they chose not to be bitter. They chose not to dwell on it. You say, preacher, how do you know when you're bitter? When you can remember the details. When you get to the place, oh, there's things back in life, bitter experiences that we all remember where we faced something that was bitter and it put a bitter taste in our mouth, but the grace of God helped us and we allowed the grace of God to help us uh, and we didn't dwell on it, we didn't think on it. It's just another one of those experiences of life uh, that God used in our life, but we went on and we pressed on uh, and we kept going on uh, and today we don't even think about it. We don't even dwell on it. We don't even remember it anymore. It may occur occasionally come up, but it didn't get the best of us. But how you know when you're bitter is when you can think about it often. When you can sit down and tell somebody all the details about it, you're still dwelling on it. It's still down in your soul and it'll bring doubt in your Christian life this morning. How do you overcome that? I'm gonna tell you how you can overcome it this morning. 
is you have to believe three simple things that Thomas failed to believe in this text. Number one, God's plan. It was the plan of Christ to go there. In verse number four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then verse seven, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go into Judea again. It was God's plan to go there. Now, when it comes to God's plan, I will tell you, we can take the pressure off ourselves this morning. We don't have to always understand the plan of God. Sometimes, uh, and it's just our nature, it's my nature, it's your nature, we, we, want, we want answers, we want, we, want, we want to know the end results, we, we want a, a good ending, we, we want a, a, happy, a happy ending to everything, and we, we want to know what's between here and there, and so we want all these things to fall in place, but can I tell you, that's not life this morning, and you know, some people may portray that, but that's not really life. Life is a mystery that's constantly unfolding, that we cannot see one second in front of the other, but we serve a God that he knows everything. He's already been there, and he's not just been there, but he's cleared the path. He has made the way, and we're in the plan of God. I don't have to always understand. I just need to hold his hand, as the songwriter said. I just need to walk my faith and not my sight, knowing that God's ways is not my ways, but they're better than my ways because he sees what I do not see and he knows what I do not know and he can do what I cannot do so God's plan I don't need to figure it out I just need to trust it this morning there's a lot of things in life I don't know have you I, I like to plan things in fact if you serve God and, and, and you work a job you know that you have to plan things everybody has schedules but God has a way of interrupting our plans, doesn't he? He has a way of changing our plans sometimes. I don't like change, do you? I, I like for things to be the same. I, I like for things to, uh, to be just consistent. But, but sometimes God's plan uh, overrides uh, uh, what we want, uh, but he knows what's best. I'll tell you something about the plan of God. It's always right. It's always the safest place to be. And it's always the place where you and I are most blessed in God's plan. I don't have all the answers this morning. There are things in life that I don't know why they've happened. There are some things in life that I don't think I'll ever know in this life why this happened or that happened, but I do have an answer. You say, but I don't have an answer for all those things. Uh, yes, you have an answer, and I have an answer for the things I cannot understand, the things that I cannot, the pieces of the puzzle that I cannot put together. You say, what is the answer? The answer is uh, it was all in the plan of God. I'm not a Calvinist this morning, but I believe in the sovereignty. I believe in the providential hand of God. I believe that things do not happen by chance nor circumstance. I believe that God is big enough and God enough that he can even take the bad decision in broken pieces and somehow he can get good and he can get glory and he can use it in our life, amen. Some things happen as a result of the world we live in. Tragedies. People say, why does this happen? We live in a tragic world. The curse of sin is on this land. You say, well, why, why did God take this person? I, I don't understand all that. I don't have all the answers, but I know that God knows. And today, this morning, 
You want to overcome doubt? Just say, Lord, I'm trusting your plan. I don't know. You know, there's some things I need. There's two deadlines I need God to answer the prayers this week. The deadline is this, the deadlines are this week. And I want you to pray with me about it. I need God, I need two answers this week. The devil said to me, well, what are you gonna do if God don't answer you this week? I'm gonna tell you something. I believe God will answer. This last week, God answered a prayer that I thought would take a long time for God to answer. My wife and I had been praying about something for about five weeks and we probably thought, and both of us thought it would be down the road somewhere, maybe one day, someday, somehow, God is gonna work that in. It's gonna take some time for this to happen. It's gonna take some time for for all this to, 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 to be answered, but you know what? It didn't take time. God just answered it in a day. God just answered that prayer in just one day. You see, if it's left in my hands and if it's in my plan, sometimes I've got it planned out. It's gonna take weeks and months and maybe even years, but God don't work on time, amen? He works in eternity and sometimes God chooses to let something span out over weeks or months or years because there's a greater plan than what we can see. But I'll tell you, God, in just a moment, in just an instant, God can do more in one second than you and I can in a lifetime. He don't need time. He is God and he lives in eternity. Hallelujah. When God answers a prayer, there's not an obstacle known to man that could stand in the way. So the only thing for me to do is trust God's plan. Secondly, not only believe God's plan, but believe God's person. Because Thomas in this text is not only doubting what Jesus said, but he's doubting who Jesus is. Jesus has the ability to raise the dead. They're not a stranger to this. Jesus has the ability to do whatever he wants to. They've seen him calm the storm. They've seen him feed the multitudes. And now when Thomas says, well, let's, let's, let's all go. There's no question mark in that phrase. Uh, let us all go that we may die with him. That was Thomas's plan. I'm glad they didn't follow Thomas's plan. I'm gonna tell you, I'm glad God don't always follow my plan. That's a depressing plan. Let's go back to Bethany. Let's go back to Judea. Let's just all die down there together. Doesn't sound like a good plan to me. They don't, listen, he was doubting God's plan, but he's doubting God's person. I wanna tell you this morning, uh, Jesus never leads us in the wrong direction. He never takes us on an obscure path uh, that has no purpose and has no goal. Uh, If the direction he's taking you and I in is not the direction that I planned, uh, I can trust his person, that he never leads me astray. He never leads me the wrong way, that his path uh, is the best path uh, because he's on that path. Uh, I can trust his person, hallelujah. God, I'm not only trusting your plan, I'm trusting you. Trust in the Lord. If there was nothing else left to that verse, that's enough. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lay not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know what the key to those two verses is? Acknowledging him. When we pray about things, it's not that we're informing God of something that he doesn't already know. It's not that we're trying to articulate words to impress him because we cannot. Your heavenly father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. 
the heathen think they're heard for their much speaking, then why do we pray about things that God already knows and we say things that's never gonna impress the heart of God? I'll tell you why. Because we're inviting God's person into our life and we're saying, God, you already know about this uh, and you could tell it a whole lot better than I could. But I just wanna invite you into my life. I need you uh, and I'm trusting you in this matter. I'm not trying to fix this myself. I'm not trying to, I just don't wanna live in that doubt uh, and so I'm just gonna live trusting the person. Amen. You can trust God's person. Job had to do that, didn't he? As Brother Danny said. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Abraham had to trust that plan and that person when he put Isaac on the altar. Not understanding, not trying to figure it out. You'll go crazy trying to figure out God's ways. Just trust God's word. Believe God's plan. Believe God's person. And then believe God's power. Because Jesus tells them Lazarus is dead. I'm sure if nobody else, Thomas was walking back with our Lord saying, what's the point? Why are we doing this? Why are we going all the way back down here where we could all die and we can all get killed for somebody that's already dead? What is the point? Sometimes in serving God, it doesn't look like there's a point. Sometimes the things that we do can look pointless. Sometimes uh, we're serving God. We're going alone and we don't see the end and, and we wonder why is God leading me down this path? Why is God having me do this in my life? I, I tell the, the young men in Bible college oftentimes uh, you're gonna come to class and you're gonna sit in class uh, week after week after week after week after week uh, and month after month and, and even a year after a year after a year and you're gonna sit there some weeks and you're gonna say this is pointless. no. You trust God's power. God's doing what you cannot see. God's working in an area that you cannot, you cannot understand. I want to tell you, I remember whenever I started preaching, I told Brother Steve Gregory, I started preaching at the jail. I knew, I just knew it was God's will for me to be a jail preacher. I knew it was God's will for me to go join the Rock of Ages when I got old enough. I just knew that in my heart, that that was the will of God. But it did not work out that way. Circumstances was in the way. I remember telling Brother Gregory at 17 years old, I said, as soon as I get old enough, I'm joining Rock of Ages. That was my plan, and it was, in my mind, a good plan. It wasn't God's plan. And I remember when God called me to pastor my first church. I didn't, I didn't want to pastor that church. After three years, they didn't want me to pastor that church. The day I resigned, I think they were thrilled and I was too. I remember getting in the car and I looked at my wife and this is the truth. You can ask her. I said to her, I never, ever want to pastor a church again in my life. That's what I said. Wounds, self-inflicted wounds. Some youth mistakes, trying to work things out. And when I came to this church, I remember this a year and a half later, I said this to her, pulling right out in front of Ridgeland High School. I said this to her a year and a half later. I said, all I want to do is stay someplace. If this is what God wants me to do is pastor a church, then I want the Lord to help me 
the pastor of this church. And I'm going to tell you, 23 and a half years later, I look back, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's things I wished I could go back and do differently. I, I just think that's life. But I will tell you this much. Everything that's ever been accomplished has been through God's power, not through my ability. Brother Danny hit the nail on the head this morning, didn't he? We can't do anything. For without me, you can do nothing. If God didn't give you the ability, you can work that job this week. Can you imagine one week of work missed, how it would change your life? If God didn't give you the ability, you can raise that family. I'm telling you, there is a great need this morning for, uh, for churches, for preachers, for membership all across Christendom. There's a great need for us to open our eyes uh, and realize how powerless we are and how powerful God is uh, and how much more we need Him. We are not in the, in the entertainment business and we're not in the performing business uh, and we need more than just a good Sunday and a good church. Uh, I'll tell you what we need. You need it in your home and I need it in my home and we need it in our hearts and we need it in our lives and we need it in this country. We need a visitation from another world. We need the power of God on display. Hallelujah. We need it this morning. We need to get to the place where it doesn't matter how many times we've done the same thing over and over. We still bow our heads and say, God, please help me today. Please touch me today. God, please. Put your hand on me today or we'll fail. I love this church, but this church is like every other church. If God don't breathe on it week in and week out, we'll die in a heartbeat. It only takes one breath to die, you know that. That's your last one. I used to say it'd take less than 30 days for a church to die, and that is a true statement, but it wouldn't take but one breath. When God breathes his last breath on a place she's over with, she's still done. And this morning, I need it as a preacher. You need it as a Sunday school teacher. You need it as a song leader. You need it as musicians. You need it as a husband, a wife. You need it as a parent this morning. You need it as a teenager. Oh, preacher, this morning, don't trust intellect. Don't trust the, the, the ability to deliver an outline or a sermon. You need God's power this morning. I'm telling you, listen, don't walk in doubt. This morning, you ought to grab hold of some things uh, that's been grabbing hold of you. You ought to grab hold of it this morning and say no more. Am I living my life like this? No more am I dwelling about it. No more am I thinking about it. Oh no, I'm gonna believe God. Come what may, I'm gonna believe God for the outcome. I'm not gonna live in discouragement and defeat. I'm not gonna hang my head and let this get the best of me any longer. I'm gonna press on in victory knowing that whatever it is, God will still be God and I'll still be serving him. Believe him this morning. Would you walk in faith? as we stand, as they get us a song ready. Would you walk in faith this morning? I promise you, if you can still talk about it, it's still got a hold of you. That's how it's been in my life. When I can sit around and dwell on it, think about it, discuss it. I'm not saying there's not times as a husband and wife, me and my wife talk about things, but there's also times the Holy Spirit says, quit talking to her about that. Because it hadn't pulled her down yet. If you don't get victory, 
You're going to pull her in that same pit if you don't get out of it. Oh, this morning, if Thomas would have only remained quiet and just went.